This is InsureTech Radio, episode number 10. I'm Connor Sweetman, and this week's guest is Ian Curtin of Deloitte, and we're talking about the future of talent in insurance. Ian Curtin is a director of human capital at Deloitte Ireland. Ian has been working in strategic change and business transformation for the last 15 years. In 2018, Ian's team released a report called The Future of Talent in Insurance. The report report emphasizes that it's vital that the insurance sector unlock the opportunities within its workforce. With the rise of automation, cognitive technology and the gig economy, there is real opportunity to capitalize on developing skills that are unique to people and that can generate real value for businesses. You can download the Future of Talent in Insurance report on our website on insuretechradio.com and if you have any questions for Ian, just go to deloitte.ie forward slash human capital. Please enjoy this conversation with Ian Curtin. Ian, you're very welcome to InsureTech Radio. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Good to be here. So last year, uh, Deloitte uh, released a report called The Future of Talent in Insurance. I was really intrigued by some of the points in it. Um, Maybe if we can go through some of the areas in there, like if we start off, like what do you see as the challenges for insurers and talent? Yeah, um, it's, it, potentially it's a it's a long list, um, uh, and I think there's there's probably two ways to to look at it. Um, firstly, you know we we talk at a at a macro level uh, about what we uh, term the future of work, uh, which is is a term that's becoming quite current now, um, and really reflecting on the fact that. You know, every business is, is being, uh, very significantly impacted by, uh, unprecedented change driven primarily by technology. And some of the things that we, we, we see in, you know, kind of driving that change are, you know, the, the prevalence of, uh, of connected and mobile devices, you know, six billion smartphones in the world. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, as, as, as consumers, as a society, we're generating these vast amounts of, of data on a, on a daily basis. Uh, nine times more data being generated now on a daily basis than was the case even uh, 15 months ago. Um, and, and, and also the fact that we're starting to see, uh, you know, technology becoming a part of the workforce when you consider, uh, how prevalent, uh, things like process automation, robotics, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, cognitive, all of these technologies are, uh, are quite mature now. Uh, we're starting to see practical Im- uh, implementations of them. Um, and the cost to implement them is much more viable for organizations than, than was the case, um, uh, even 10 years ago. So to take the example of, uh, you know, what we would term a robot in a business, um, the, the, the kind of cost to implement a single robot to run a process for you was about half a million dollars in 2008. Um, and, and that's in around $20,000 now today. Wow. Uh, so, you know, much more achievable. And obviously a lot of organizations are looking at how can they, uh, get, get the, uh, routine, transactional, mundane, you know, low value work in their organizations done by these devices. Uh, and people be looking at a simple, like, uh, well, it costs this much to hire someone or, and it costs this much to. Well, in a very, in a, yeah, in a very kind of, uh, a very crude metric, that's, you know, that's, that's obviously, uh, that's obviously a powerful case for why you would Mm. choose to, to to deploy that technology. But, but I suppose what that means for your organization is that you, uh, you know, firstly, potentially you're, 
you're taking work out of you know somebody's human role um so so how do you do that and what do you do uh with them uh in in terms of the time that they were spending on like i said kind of low value repetitive transactional type work um but but there are a number of other questions you know in in terms of automation and this is something that when we work with with insurers we we tend to we tend to talk to them about uh, a couple of ways of trying to think about automation. Uh, you know, as I said, in that crude way, it sounds very attractive. Uh, you know, v- very a very clear cost case for why you would choose to do that. Imagine there's a lot of unintended consequences. Well, I think it's also the case that you know we've done, we've done analysis globally, and this has been led by our Canadian firm, where we've looked at roles in a number of sectors, including financial services, and, and we've we've kind of created a point of view of how much of a typical role in a you know financial service environment. So, for example, an underwriter. Uh, you know, a risk analyst, um, you know, a, a finance director, a business partner, etc. How much of those roles actually can be automated? And and typically, we see that that the amount varies. So that's kind of really trying to, you know, understand at a task or an activity level, typically what people do and and how much could be done uh, by, for example, an RPA solution. Um, and then and then what is the likelihood that that role will be? automated so there's there's kind of two measures so you might have a a role where a very large proportion of it can be automated uh, but the question is how easy is that to do in the context of everything else that sits with the role where the person sits in the organization the kind of interactions they have to have uh, and that may that may lower the likelihood that you might choose to actually automate that role or or a team doing that for example uh, so it may become more difficult to to achieve that from a business point of view um so it's, i think it's important to think of both of those things um but having gone through that analysis you know and certainly working with insurance businesses in ireland we we are seeing uh you know very strong move towards automation uh and and identifying where in that kind of the customer life cycle and the value chain you can do things more quickly. Uh, you can eliminate error. Uh, and those are typically the types of benefits you see from implementing these kind of solutions. Um, but from a, from a people point of view, which is what I'm really interested in and what, what, what we work with, I, you know, I guess that what that means is, you, you know, that itself is a big change. How do you manage that? Uh, and then, you, you know, what, what happens to the roles that you're changing or freeing up? I mean, do they just leave the organization? You know, that's certainly one option, but, but there, it also creates a lot of capacity in your organization potentially to do very different things. Um, and, you know, we talk in general terms about kind of moving up the value chain and focusing on, you know, customer interactions and value add. And, you know, that's the kind of typical language that goes around automation. But w- what we're starting to see now as well is that there's a much greater understanding and particularly insurance, uh, of the fact that, you know, range of very different kind of activities and skills are going to be needed and that putting automation in to do the mundane stuff uh, gives you the overhead and the opportunity to focus on a lot of these new competencies and, and new types of skills which are typically driven by the fact that these are becoming kind of digital businesses um so uh you know, I mean, the, the, I think automation is a big part of the, 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 both the challenge and the opportunity, uh, that, that's facing the sector. But some of the other things, you know, maybe moving away from technology just for a second that, that are also relevant. I mean, the, I think the other big thing that's in play is, is demographics. Um, and, you know, we talk about the fact that there are four, if not five distinct generations in the workplace at the moment. Uh, so you have your, you have your, your, your boomers who are, 
kind of clinging on um, and, and are typically in kind of senior leadership roles, you know, very, very experienced. Uh, you have your, your Gen X, you have your Gen Y, uh, and, and you're, and we're starting to see obviously, you know, the millennial generation becoming uh, a huge component of the workforce. I think in, in the next two to three years, it'll be, uh, you know, well over 50% of the global workforce. And even we're, even we're starting to see obviously, you know, kind of Gen Z coming into the workforce and, and starting to, uh, to, to, to be, to be relevant. Uh, and, well, and I just bring up like millennials, because sometimes when I have been in discussions maybe with uh, people in my organization, yeah. a question is like, how do we deal with them? And uh, which I kind of think as, is, as if they're, they need to be handled with tongs or something. Yeah. And I just wonder, is this, is this a, a perennial problem where, an older generation will always try mm. to figure out the younger generation, mm. or is there actually something different about the millennial generation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think at a point in time there was something quite distinctive and different. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, because the millennial cohort is so large now, uh, what we used to think of as millennials uh, have themselves changed and are exhibiting. You know, a lot of them are in their thirties. They're thinking about starting families, buying property. You know, doing all the things that. Uh, the older generation did and took for granted and that probably drove their behaviors at a point in time so you know it's a very wide group and it's it's in my view it's not really a very useful term anymore because it's, it's not one size fits all um and also obviously i think it's become yeah, i mean it has tended to be used slightly pejoratively and i think you know i haven't met anyone who likes being called a millennial either so uh you know you know i'm always very careful about kind of using it uh, as a, as a descriptor um but i think you know what what we mean when we talk about that is uh you know a range of attitudes that are distinctly different when it comes to people thinking about you know the work they want to do where they want to work the type of career that they imagine themselves having um, and how they're going to go about fulfilling that that is quite different from you know i'd admit from my own generation um and and from older generations as well and you know i think um you know people certainly older than me are still very much wedded to the idea of the you know the the kind of job for life you know a kind of very linear career that progresses through acquiring experience promotion um you know and a, and a, and a kind of i suppose typically we think of it as a gradual move up a hierarchy the ladder, as such. Exactly. Uh, and, and again, you know, it, it wouldn't have been unusual, uh, in, 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 from a baby boomer's point of view for that, that progression to all happen in one big organization. Mm. Uh, whereas, you know, the kind of millennial point of view on that is, is very different. And it, 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 it's more based on, well, where can I, where can I get experience? Where can I try different things? Um, where can I be exposed to opportunities? Where can I be given, uh, you know, a, a taste of leadership and a little bit of, uh, autonomy. Um, and the other thing that I think, you know, that certainly when we survey millennials globally, as we've done a number of times in the last few years, uh, one of the things that's very distinctive that comes out is that they all expect to work for themselves at a point in time, or certainly a very large number do. Um, and there is that real entrepreneurial sense uh and and component of how they think about their their careers um so i suppose that means a couple of things for organizations firstly uh you know these are people whose mindset is that they are going to move around so uh you know they're going to be harder to retain and keep interested in if you just put them behind a desk and ask them to do the same job day in day out for for a number of years um 
but but secondly, I guess you know the fact that there is that entrepreneurial mindset and there is that real hunger for, um, uh, you know, responsibility and autonomy is something that is you know is something that organisations should look to really leverage, mm. and make use of, and and build into their own culture, um, and that could help to drive some of the kind of changes that are going to happen as uh, transition into digital businesses happens. Um, and then, of course, I suppose you have the case where, uh, you know, kind of younger millennials and, and the Gen Z, I mean, these, these are, these are people who are digital natives. So the kind of tools, the ways of interacting that consumers in insurance or any other business, uh, are going to expect and demand are second nature. To, to people and and I think a lot of organizations are struggling to come to terms with that change and how quickly that has happened um again thinking of the future of work we we look at you know kind of four rates of change or four scales uh, across which change occurs um and I think we we we're all familiar with the fact that as as consumers things change very quickly you know we adopt new technologies uh, bring them into our own lives very very quickly and we're quite happy to do that um, you know, businesses are are not that responsive and are not that quick. Uh, and a few years ago, we would have talked about things like consumerization, where people would have been expected to maybe bring their own device, or you know, people are starting to go mobile, uh, and the look and feel of business uh, systems started to become more consumer like and more user friendly. Um, but but businesses are still very slow to adopt some of that. Um, and then I suppose you know beyond that, obviously we have the fact that more broadly from a society point of view, you know, kind of public policy doesn't really keep up. And uh, when we think about things that have happened in the last, again, decade or so, we're only coming to terms from a regulatory point of view with things like, you know, sharing economy and things like that. Um, and and again, I suppose regulation is a, is a, is a key part of the challenge that, that financial services and insurers face as well. Uh, you know, obviously very onerous regulation, um, again, has a very big impact on, how people work, you know, how, how, uh, how products are sold, how, um, how organizations have to, uh, implement and use technology. Um, and, and, it can, you know, there can be a point of view that that's a very big barrier to the kind of digital transformation that we started off talking about a few minutes ago. And would uh, you see any kind of, particularly for insurance with all these kind of new skills that will be required? Mm. Um, uh, and as that millennial generation kind of looking to uh, move away from any kind of uh, the prospect of a career where you're doing a repetitive task for yep. a number of years. Um, does that drive any scarcity, do you think, in particular in insurance? Any scarcity of talent? It, I think it does. I mean, y- you know, we know that, um, we, we know that, uh, when, when we, when we survey, uh, you know, kind of current college populations, uh, about what an attractive career for them is or where they intend to try and pursue a career. Uh, financial services in general scores quite low, but insurance in particular is kind of low single digits. Uh, so, you know, if the workforce of the future has very limited visibility or very limited interest in insurance as a, as a career. And again, our research would tell us that they tend to think of it as being um you know, not particularly inspiring that, you know, they're not, not really clear on the work they would do, uh, not particularly diverse environments in, in some of these organizations, you know, again, and rightly or wrongly, this is the question of what the perception is. Um, so, 
you know it's a real challenge for 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 this for the sector it's a real a real challenge for for businesses um and and i think the first step is recognizing that you're not competing with you know your insurance competitors or even banks for this talent i mean you really are competing with digital businesses with startups uh with with social enterprises you know because these these are the these are the organizations that are doing things that uh younger people who are moving into the workforce uh, really value you know so they're making a making a kind of visible difference uh in their in their in their communities and their societies that's very very important to the millennial cohort we know um but also they they're at the cutting edge of you know what's happening in 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 digital uh and i mean the the thing is there is potentially a great story for insurers to tell in this space and and you know i know from from working with with a number of them who are either planning or are well underway with transformations to kind of you know really make the leap into this digital world um you know some of the stuff they're doing is incredibly exciting uh and you know looking to work with fintechs looking to bring you know new types of customer engagement online looking to be very imaginative in their product offerings looking to do things in real time you know these are these are some of the kind of challenges that again people perceive that google and amazon and apple own the the territory on so there's definitely a kind of a case to be made that um that being part of that journey is 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 uh, very different from what people assume a career in insurance is is like and obviously there are always going to be the the technical disciplines that are that are necessary in the business but again things you know some of those are increasingly the things that are becoming you, you know uh automatable or or done assisted by or very much the heavy lifting done by technology so yeah. it, it it frees up space in the business for people to do these more kind of creative you know uh customer focused uh, uh and, and you know very imaginative uh pieces of work that, that that reimagine what insurance products are insurance services and connect with a whole range of different customers yeah cool well, that might be a good way to transition into so we into transitioning into how businesses deal with these challenges so we've spoken very broadly about what the challenges are yeah but like where would a business begin to address uh, some of these new challenges yeah and i i mean obviously everyone is going to have their own situation um you know we 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 work with uh we work primarily with obviously established you know large global players uh who are who are present in the irish market uh but we also work with 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 fintechs who uh, you know, or insurtechs, uh, who, who are very much at the kind of cutting edge of this stuff. And often, you know, they are technology houses. They are, uh, they are startups. Uh, and you know, they have a lot, for a lot of reasons, they're very appealing because of that. But when they become successful, they face challenges from the other side of the scale. So, you know, they need to, they need to, they need to grow their capability. They need to focus on things other than just the core mission and the, the core product. Uh, and there's a kind of a traditional startup life cycle that ultimately they will need some help with. But I suppose thinking about the, the established, um, insurance businesses that we work with, uh, you know, people are doing some very, some very bold things. Um, you know, in one case, we've, we've, we've worked with an organization recently where, uh, they, they have looked at their market positioning. Uh, and they have recognized that they, uh, are, you know, in a certain place in the market. Uh, and when they kind of score themselves on, you know, I suppose market share, visibility, technology, range of offerings, et cetera, they, they, you know, they're probably not where they want to be. And they've decided that they're going to very 
deliberately take a, a kind of a strategic leap using digital technology, digital platforms as the kind of difference maker. Uh, and we've worked with them to figure out, okay, in that case, what's your organization going to look like? Um, how are you going to organize yourselves? What skills are you going to need? Um, where are you going to find the people who you don't have? How many of your current people are going to make that transition with you? And when you drill into skills there, like what, what skills do you think are, are the ones that are worth investing in the most? Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, we would have assumed that, well, I mean, again, if we go back to our, our, our demographic discussion, you know, the job for life was generally accompanied by skill set for life. Yeah. Uh, more recently, people might have looked to refresh themselves every kind of five to 10 years. That would have been probably normal. Now we're seeing that what we call the kind of half life of a skill or a business competency is two and a half years, possibly two years. Um, and, and again, that's been driven by the, the, the pace of change in, in, uh, in digital. Um, very much so. So, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of things that are more important now than, than, you know, obviously there's a whole suite of core kind of technology skills. So things like, you know, the, you know, understanding and, 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 uh, the ability to kind of develop and deploy digital assets. You know, there's a whole range of core technology skills that, 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 that go with that. Um, how to, uh, set up and manage the kind of automation systems that we're talking about. How to translate processes into something that that uh, that, that that machines and robots can do, but but also you, you know obviously a, a core part of the digital world is making use of all the data. Uh, so you know analytic skills, um, and you know we think of really strong analytics not so much people but teams as as being as being kind of purple so they're not red in, in the technology sense or blue in the people sense they're a mix of the both so what do you mean by the colors sorry so i mean i think red in terms of very very much urgent like yeah exactly yeah. just kind of you know kind of personality types very much oh, driven okay. by the numbers very much driven by the the the, the uh, you know the kind of science of it as opposed to the blue bit being more around the the, the kind of people side uh and and a, a really well-rounded analytics practice is one that takes both elements, but doesn't look at the numbers in isolation, understands where and how they're relevant to the business, and then is able to kind of tell stories around them that, that help, uh, you know, the varying ranges of numeric and analytic literacy that, you, that you're bound to encounter to understand and make use of those things. So, you know, we, we talk about kind of purple people making up these teams. So, yes, we understand the numbers and we understand the the uh, the capabilities that are out there to to really make use of data and to turn it into insight but then we can explain that to the business in a way that helps them to make decisions helps them to understand what's going on uh, and acts as a kind of a translator and a storyteller uh, so that the 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 analytic power that's available now actually has a real impact and meaning in uh, you know decision making in people's roles um, and and in where businesses choose to go um, you know, by ha having access to that insight. And that can be all kinds of things. It can be, you know, customer behavior, product, product success and life cycle, but also very important in the, the talent life cycle. So, you, you know, uh, who are your people? How are they performing? What are their kind of likes or dislikes? What are their strengths? Uh, where is the talent that you need to, 
to attract for, for, for the future? Um, do they know who you are, what you want? You know, all of these things are things that potentially analysts can help you form a picture and take decisions on. So that, that's a, a vital yeah. part of any digital business now and, and, you know, more so in the, in, in the insurance case, I would have thought. And are insurers uh, thinking about changing their employee value proposition to, to get these new types of skills and people? Yeah, I, um, th- yeah, that 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 is that's that's very much part of the discussion. I think it's still it's 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 something that's still quite fluid. Um, so maybe can we define what that actually means, and maybe kind of talk about how that has evolved over a period of time? Yeah, in terms of the in terms of what the the the, the value proposition itself actually yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah, but I think I mean what we're starting to see is is. Uh, you know, there's a range of different uh, kind of co- kind of competencies uh, uh, that are starting to become much more important. So things like, um, y- you know, an emphasis on agile, uh, an emphasis on collaboration, uh, being much more open and and uh, being much more of a, uh, a kind of an interlinked organization rather than one that operates. Pr- Potentially in in silos and yeah. and and I mean what that gives you as an employee is it gives you that kind of three hundred and sixty degree view of the business. Um, it gives you more options in terms of you know w- w- what am I going to work on or where am I going to go? Because I mean if you really are a digital organization and you're using agile, uh, you know people are forming around missions which can be very different from time to time. You know somebody's bringing a core skill to it, but they have an opportunity to to learn new things to play different roles in a, in a, in a, in a squad or a tribe, um, and to learn new capabilities and be exposed to different types of challenges. So, you know, that's something that if we link back to our discussion about the kind of preferences that we see in, 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 in uh, younger, uh, cohorts, um, in, in the, in the talent space is some, you know, that's, that's, that's very compelling. That's something that's very interesting to people. Um, and that, that even aligns to our own experience as a, as a, as a kind of a professional service business. Really? Uh, you know, people come to us and they want to work in consulting because the, the one thing that's overwhelmingly said to us is variety. Yeah. And that's what people want, variety. So, um, you know, in our case, that's maybe working with different clients on different things, but in, in a, in a digital business in insurance, it's solving different customer problems. It's creating new products. It's, uh, you know, launching and refining new products really quickly based on an ability to understand what's actually succeeding and working with customers, mm. getting that feedback, using the analytics to understand it. Um, so the value proposition isn't, I suppose, uh, based around remuneration and it's, uh, it's more around kind of, it's, it's more holistic. It's yeah. And it's, it's driven by, you know, the experience that you're going to offer people. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I don't think there's, you know, especially in, in, uh, in, in, in Dublin in 2019, there's no point in pretending that, you know, Reward doesn't matter to people. I mean, course, it, yeah. it, do, it does, but I think people recognize that if they are uh, able to work in an environment like this and grow, uh, you know, a range of different skills, um, build up a bit of resilience, start to show a bit of leadership, you know, those are things that, that the market in inverted commas really values and, and that gives them a lot of, uh, a, a, you know, they get a lot of retur- in return from that, that, that they're prepared to potentially forego. Yeah. reward in the short term because they have that 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 kind of experience driven view of uh of where their career is going yeah. um so i think those things are very important um you know obviously technical expertise is always going to be uh vital in any industry in any sector uh, no more so than in financial services but like the in, the interpersonal stuff is very important now as well and there's very high uh premium put on that 
uh, on being able to, uh, you know, uh, give and receive feedback, uh, being able to coach people rather than relying on the kind of more traditional hierarchies that, 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 that tends to be in organizations. Um, on the one hand, being able to kind of delegate and empower people is important, especially in leadership roles in, in digital businesses. Uh, but on the other hand, the expectation that people can work and can take that direction and work in an autonomous way, uh, and create value and create, a, you know, really strong output. Um, you know, so it's kind of a two way street around that empowerment thing. So, uh, an, uh, an organization that's able to genuinely offer that, uh, is very much going to differentiate itself and be appealing to, to, to people as a destination, somewhere that they want to work. Yeah. So what, uh, what parting words do you have, uh, for our audience? What kind of ask or request would you like them to remember? Um, so I, I suppose there's, there's a couple of things. First of all, you know, the, the challenges are real, but you're not alone. Uh, you know, I think everyone everyone faces them, and that's true across a range of industries, not just not just financial services and insurance. Uh, I would say the second thing is that there are practical things you can do, um, but you need to have uh, a point of view on you know what 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 your what your business is going to be about, what your identity is, how you're going to appeal to uh, you know a very very different, very diverse kind of talent landscape. Um, and, and, uh, what you're going to offer them. Uh, so what's the story of your, your future? Um, and I, and I suppose the third thing would be to, you know, we spent a bit of time talking about culture, obviously. I mean, it is really, it is really important and it can make a huge difference. Um, and it can be, uh, it can be a game changer in two ways. First of all, you know, if, if it's very clear what your culture is like from the outside, that can help with your, your, your employee proposition and, and, and with, with attracting talent. But given the amount of change that the, the sector is going to go through, I think a really strong culture is vital for, for, for you to survive that, if you think of it that way. Uh, so you really need people who are flexible, resilient, you know, kind of up for the challenge, uh, and are interested in trying new things and, and exploring things in their own career and building their skills to enable that kind of very significant transformation that's going to happen to be successful. Cool. Well, look, thanks very much for your time. Where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing with Deloitte? Uh, I, I will send them, I will send them to Google first off. I mean, we're, our, our, our Irish practice is, is online and you can find, uh, all of our leadership across all the services we offer, including human, human capital. We've actually just this week launched our, uh, our 2019 global human capital trends report. So again, that's there's there's a dedicated microsite for that that's easily searchable. Great. Well, I'll link to all those things in our show notes and on LinkedIn. And uh, great, thank you for your time. Thanks, pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.